Centuries of freedom have taught us to think in terms of continuous improvement of an always better future. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto podcast. I'm Austin Knight, and I am joined by my co-host, Matthew Halsbarby. Hey, Austin. Hey, everyone listening. Good to be back again uh, after a slightly delayed release of our last episode. Apologies for that, but we're we're back on track again this week. Yeah, and we're really thrilled because we have had a couple really great interview episodes to kick off Series 3. So what that means is that this week we're going to cover some of the main talking points that have come out over the past few days. Yeah, and there's been a fair few of those. Uh, so <laughs> it looks like we are going through another bit of a price slump again with a lot of the major uh, cryptocurrencies dropping to kind of yearly lows. We've seen Bitcoin dropping below 6K, even below 5.5K, Ethereum below the 200 mark relatively consistently. It couldn't be more different really from this time last year, right? Yeah, Matt. I I mean, I think that it was around this time last year that we saw Bitcoin hitting its all-time high at just below $20,000. That is crazy to think about. Yeah, it was the the Thanksgiving uh, dinners with uh, with the extended family of everyone saying how everyone needs yes. to get in on this thing, Bitcoin, right? Uh, <laughs> I think everyone's probably going to have some awkward conversations at the Thanksgiving table this year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and around that same time, right? We 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 actually it's, it's kind of crazy. Time has flown by. This is this is when we started recording our first series of the podcast at that same time, right? Yeah, lots has happened since then. Uh, it's it's been a great year, a, a crazy roller coaster of a year, but an entertaining one nonetheless. Uh, it's also worth mentioning, though, that if you're relatively new to the blockchain space and you're looking to learn more, I would highly recommend that you go through our first series where we do our best to explain a number of the key concepts. It's an awesome way to sort of get that basic foundation that you need to keep up with all of the other crazy stuff that we talk about in these weekly episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you have been listening for some time now, uh, we'd love it if you could just do us a small favor. And this is just a small favor, but it means a ton to us. If once you've finished listening to this episode, you could hop into the podcasting platform that you use, whether that's uh, Apple Podcasts, whether you're using uh, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever, right? If you could leave us a rating and a written review, that would mean a huge amount to us. It will take you less than two minutes. Uh, but we will honestly be incredibly thankful. Last final thing, like we, we re- we've been getting a lot more emails through with questions, suggestions for things you want we you want us to cover. If you do want to do that, just uh, drop us a quick email. We try to be as responsive as possible. Um, our email address again is podcast at thecoinoffering.com. Dot com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at the coin offering as well. Me and Austin try to always come back to people. So hit us up and we will come back to you and maybe even feature some of the things that you want us to chat about. All right. With that out of the way, let's jump into some of the main news stories from the past couple of weeks.
All right, so let's get into some of the news. We have had a bit of a roller coaster of a two, maybe even three weeks, but not just on the pricing side of things. Last week, we saw the Bitcoin Cash Fork. That was on Thursday the 15th. Uh, we're actually currently recording just a few days after the fork, so there may be a few more developments by the time we get this out for recording. Uh, so we're going to do our best to explain the story so far. And for those of you that haven't been following the Bitcoin Cash Fork, we'll give a bit of an explainer in kind of just the main things to understand, what's happened so far, and we can talk a little bit about some of the repercussions. Uh, Austin, should we just like kick on and explain some of the main kind of like TLDR points on what has been a yeah. pretty eventful few days? Yeah. So at a high level, the TLDR is that Bitcoin Cash has just hard forked into two separate blockchains. So effectively, the Bitcoin Cash community has been split into three with two major competing and actually incompatible proposals from the groups under Bitcoin ABC, which is sort of like the traditional Bitcoin Cash, uh, and Bitcoin SV, which is uh, Bitcoin Satoshi's vision, as it has been labeled. <laughs> A <laughs> there modest is... name. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> There's also uh, Bitcoin Unlimited, which seems to be sort of working as a middle ground between the two proposals, trying to uh, bring everybody together under, you know, one umbrella here. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And one thing for us to also mention, uh, as we talk a bit about Bitcoin Cash forking and stuff like that, it's worth noting that Bitcoin Cash actually has every year, um, they have planned in two scheduled forks that they do. And whenever we talk previously about like blockchains, hard forking, right? Like it's usually like a big deal, like when... Uh, Bitcoin Cash was created out of the the original Bitcoin BTC project. We had stuff last year that I remember us talking about, Austin, with things like Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin Diamond, and all kinds of crap, Litecoin Cash. Like, There's been so many forks like that, but it is worth noting that the scheduled forks that Bitcoin Cash usually have and have had to date since they've been up and running since like mid last year are kind of just like more low-key scheduled maintenance forks. Usually not a whole lot happens. They don't branch off into a number of different blockchains that are incompatible. They've been pretty low-key. This has been very different and has been more of kind of like a political battle, right? Yeah, and it looks like the way that it's shaking out is that most of the biggest Bitcoin Cash service providers have indicated that they will support the Bitcoin ABC hard fork. So this includes yeah. Bitcoin.com CEO Roger Ver, Bitmain co-founder Jihan Wu, private party founder Rick Falkvinge, Cornell professor Eamon Goon Seer, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But also <laughs> that, was a, yeah. that was a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> also, that includes Ethereum founder. Vitalik Buterin, um, and others. Yeah. So yeah, uh, lots of support behind the more traditional uh, version. Yeah, it seems that like a lot of the 
more OG Bitcoin cashers have jumped towards Bitcoin ABC, which actually the proposal from Bitcoin ABC group, um, we, we, we can actually give a bit more detail around, around each of these two groups um, and who's, uh, who's behind them, what they're, what they're looking to do within each of their proposals. The Bitcoin ABC proposal kind of is trying-ish to maintain the status quo of Bitcoin Cash. There, there isn't any real radical changes. But with Bitcoin SV, there is one in particular massive change. And that is to increase the block size from Bitcoin Cash from 32 megabytes to a maximum of 128 megabytes. And this was a big talking point, right? In the first, when Bitcoin Cash was first created, right? Yeah. So Bitcoin Cash was originally, of course, forked off from Bitcoin uh, in order to increase the block size as well. Uh, Bitcoin's average block size is about one megabyte, whereas mm -hmm. Bitcoin Cash increased that to 32 megabytes. So here we see another proposal to increase from the already larger 32 megabytes to 128 megabytes. The logic being that you can fit more transactions into a single block and that that will be faster and more efficient. But as far as Matt and I understand, that might not actually be the case, right? Yeah, I think like what we've seen with Bitcoin Cash, right? When when Bitcoin Cash first came about, uh, and uh, we we probably don't want to go too much into the debate around big blocks and scalability, but Roger Ver primarily, amongst others, and the giant force that is Bitmain, which we're going to chat a little bit more about shortly, as we seem to always do when controversial topics come up on the <laughs> podcast. They they saw that Bitcoin had scalability issues. And I don't think that anyone would disagree at the time, which was like, well, I, I'm trying to remember now. I think it was August 2017, September 2017, around that time. I don't think anyone would disagree. Yeah, Bitcoin has like scalability challenges that they needed to overcome at that time. And Roger Ver and co. decided that the only way for this to happen would be to increase the block size of Bitcoin. And that would be, for one of many reasons, one of the big things is fitting more transactions into a single block, meaning that you can push out a greater amount of transactions quicker, creating less bottlenecks, causing less uh, delays in transactions, maintaining fluctuations within uh, transaction fees, et cetera, et cetera. Now, just to... I'm sure we're going to get a bunch of tweets from from uh, people in the Bitcoin Cash forum. Like, I think it's relatively fair to say that there has been pretty much categorical proof that that isn't the okay sole way to scale Bitcoin. I think a lot of people that uh, would make the argument that wasn't the way to scale it at all. We've seen that clearly the way to truly scale Bitcoin and other blockchains is largely with off-chain solutions like the Lightning Network. And uh, we've seen with Ethereum, they've been looking at other solutions like Plasma and other stuff, which we won't get into. But my personal opinion in now like this whole argument with Bitcoin SV of them moving from 32 megabytes to 128 megabytes now, like I kind of get the feeling here that honestly, this is more political than even about the tech the 
I mean, it's probably worth mentioning who is behind Bitcoin SV, right? Yeah. So Craig Wright, uh, which is the guy that who uh, claimed to be Satoshi, um, <laughs> is behind Bitcoin SV. Uh, hence the Satoshi Satoshi's vision. Uh, <laughs> he should have just said Craig's vision. I feel <laughs> that would have been that would have been more apt in this situation, right? Yeah, uh, perhaps. <laughs> but he's yeah. the same person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, this seems like, I mean, there is, when we look at some of the things that uh, the, the, the Craig Wright has been coming out and saying, he he has said, and I want to try and find this quote that we we pulled out of a, an article from Bitcoin Magazine that, that quoted Craig, Craig Wright. Da, 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 da. It was when he was talking about unleashing what's now known to uh, become known as a hash war. Craig Wright is explicitly stated that in an attempt to ensure that only his chain survives. I like that he he says it's his chain, <laughs> right? Like he and others will use any hash power under their control to 51% attack the Bitcoin ABC chain. That to me is really fucking wild to just straight up say, hey, do you know what? Like this isn't even about like us being able to win through getting the support of miners, etc. Like, we're just going to straight up attack these chains. And that has implications on people that hold, like, Bitcoin Cash and also that are mining on that blockchain as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it now, just seems really selfish. Yeah, I, I think it's, it is, it's bizarre to um, see, you know, these over and over and over again, these these forks playing out and the way that they play out. Technically speaking, Bitcoin Cash will indeed experience uh, it's that, that fork as soon as either Bitcoin ABC or Bitcoin SV mines a block that's invalid on the opposing chain, which of course has already happened. So mm -hmm. this ensures that all BCH holders actually get coins on both sides of the split. It's an interesting place to be in right now. Um, yeah. If you are a Bitcoin Cash holder, in principle, all users should be able to mine, send, and receive both coins, actually. Uh, which brings up a, a sort of interesting point here that, like, if this were a clean split, the two coins would be separated through a technical trick called replay protection. However, we're, and, and what that would be is that, like, transactions on one chain are invalid on the other. So regular users. Uh, would be affected as little as possible. But this will not be a clean split. While Bitcoin ABC implemented replay protection, Bitcoin SV copied this protection to cancel it out. So transactions are actually going to look identical on both chains. This is chaos. This means that- <laughs> What could go Bitcoin wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So what this means is that a Bitcoin ABC transaction can actually be retransmitted or replayed on the Bitcoin SV chain, which has users accidentally spending both. And of course, the other, like the opposite can happen where Bitcoin SV transactions can re be replayed on Bitcoin ABC. So uh, I yep. think that the 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 contentious nature, <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> uh, if that's the nicest way to put it, of this fork is uh, is manifesting itself all the way down to um, having effect on like just the average Bitcoin cash holder. Yeah, and it, I think one thing that uh, we we've definitely seen so far is a lot of the major exchanges 
um, the the cryptocurrency exchanges, the likes of Coinbase, Kraken, and Co. They have actually signaled their support relatively early on for a winner here. And they're also, I, I saw um, a statement from Coinbase, and they they've they've got used to these like controversial forks, but they basically shut down any trading. Uh, you couldn't sell, you couldn't remove any of your Bitcoin cash from Coinbase uh, for the entire day of the fork. Um, they've paused withdrawals, paused deposits, like the lot, just to make sure that people don't get burned. And as a result, right, like the Coinbase don't end up getting burned. One thing that I do think is interesting, and we, we can come into uh, some of the stats on how the mining has played out so far, because really the both of these chains are likely going to continue to exist, but which is going to be deemed most legitimate is by how many of the, the when the majority basically of the miners of Bitcoin Cash move over and pick a side, which will ultimately be reflected in the token's value um, and general legitimacy um so but but alongside alongside all of this i i want to touch on bitmain because we were talking before this episode recording austin weren't we and we were talking a bit about centralization and decentralization and i think you asked me the like the question of like this almost or just made the point like it's tough to even know how much how how to what extent should i say this whole decision making process has even been decentralized when we've got huge players like bitmain exerting their influence kind of like any major political decision and it's it's really tough as even people like us that have been covering news within this space for quite a while now have been pretty involved in it for everyday like people who just want to use cryptocurrency and like want to be on board this kind of new movement i feel like it's moments like this that really would scare the hell out of me as someone like if i didn't have a like as good a technical knowledge and even with good technical knowledge i still there's a lot of this that i'm getting my head around as well yeah i agree it this is definitely well this level of chaos can be intimidating um or at least perceived chaos right uh, mm-hmm. but then I do think that there is, you know, it is, it is worth acknowledging that, um, even though we're working within a, a decentralized model here, the, the likes of Bitmain can, uh, exert extreme influence just by, you know, sheer scale of their operation over decisions like this. With that said, I, I also think that it's interesting to think about Bitcoin unlimited and, uh, kind of the efforts that have been made to, you know, maybe solve for like both sides of the coin. <laughs> uh, here. So, I like what you did there, Austin. Very good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so Andrew Stone, he's a leading developer on Bitcoin Unlimited. He proposed this compromise solution, which would be uh, a strategy for the November 2018 hard fork on August 21st. And this upgraded this upgrade would provide an opportunity to introduce the changes of both ABC and SV. So the miners would have the opportunity to vote on the features that they want to see implemented in the hard fork, sort of according to his profile. Uh, with mm-hmm. that said, this this doesn't have a, a majority of miners' votes. And actually, technically speaking, it looks like 
none of the the uh, fork proposals or options um, have like a a a total majority yet. This is something yeah. that is still playing out. Yeah, we can. When we're looking, I'm just bringing up actually a really cool website that uh, you can actually hop over to, which looks incredibly intimidating when you first hop into it. But if you go to uh, cash.coin.dance, you can check out basically the this this hash war, if you want to call it that, as it develops with uh, the, the Bitcoin Cash hard fork. And if you just scroll down through all of the different uh, blocks that have been created, it gives a bit of a summary. In particular, the, the two columns on the right, you can see the hash rate of Bitcoin ABC and Bitcoin SV. Now, since from when we first started recording this episode, so about like 25 minutes ago, things have already changed a bunch. I, <laughs> I was looking at this like a couple of hours ago and the hash rate share. Uh, and by that, what I mean is the number of Bitcoin cash miners in total that are uh, that are mining on Bitcoin ABC. And then you can see the the hash rate of uh, how many of those are instead mining on Bitcoin SV. So Earlier this morning, I was looking at this, and it was actually 50-50, a split. As we look right now, which again may change by the time we've finished recording, 59% of the hash rate of the miners is on Bitcoin ABC, and 41% of those uh, are on Bitcoin SV. Now, it is also worth mentioning something else, which is like the number of nodes on the network. So how many of the nodes have come over and supported um, and are compatible with Bitcoin ABC, which is going to be a a really important part of this. And actually, 74% of all of the nodes on the Bitcoin Cash network are compatible with Bitcoin ABC, whereas only 8% on Bitcoin SV. I, I I feel like it's fair to say Bitcoin ABC is going to win this this battle, but I guess the question really is like how much damage is going to be done along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Now going back to uh, nodes and support for Bitcoin ABC and Bitmain, something interesting that Bitmain has done here is that they've actually expedited the deployment of roughly ninety thousand. Ant miner S9 miners uh, in China's far western. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And they they have placed these in China's far western region of Xinjiang, uh, which is in the uh, upper, uh, or sorry, um, they did this to gain the upper hand in the upcoming computer power war or the hash war, as Matt was putting it here. So I think that that could also be, you know, part of why we're seeing uh, the, that's, that gigantic chasm in the uh, mm-hmm. node node compatibility um, yep. for for uh, each version and interestingly uh, it does look like not only the you know our uh, large collectives of, of nodes supporting ABC but you also have exchanges large and important exchanges like coinbase for example uh, supporting yep. ABC and that's that's probably what's ultimately going to uh, make the call here. Yeah, I think so. The Bitmain piece with them heavily backing Bitcoin ABC. I th- I honestly think without that, this would have been very tough for them to win out. I think basically whichever side Bitmain is on, um, which is probably a general rule of thumb in the in the cryptocurrency space, uh, will will probably win out at least for now. So yeah, one one final thing to touch on before we actually go into something that is 
uh, highly related that we were touching on um, is in the run up to the fork, there was a huge spike in Bitcoin Cash price. I think it was up around 40%. And one of the things that that Austin mentioned a little bit earlier, you, you may have caught, is when the fork happened, people got an airdrop of the new tokens that were created from the, the split between Bitcoin ABC, Bitcoin SV. And they actually got, for every Bitcoin cash they got, they got a one-to-one ratio. And this was a similar thing that happened during, well, it happens on most hard forks, but around the time of the Bitcoin split into Bitcoin BTC and Bitcoin Cash BCH, the any Bitcoin that you owned, let's say you owned 10 Bitcoin at the time of that fork, uh, you were airdropped at the time of the uh, the fork, you also got 10 Bitcoin Cash and retained your original Bitcoin BTC. And the same has been happening here. And it seems like a lot of people have been buying up Bitcoin Cash in the run-up to the to the fork to purely benefit from the the airdrop that that, that comes afterwards. I'm actually just bringing up and seeing what the price is right now on Bitcoin Cash. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like in the past week, it's been down nearly thirty five percent. So you, you're starting to see that settle back down. So just. As we move on from the Bitcoin Cash stuff, we're going to cover this in a lot more uh, detail as this uh, evolves. We'll see how this shakes out over the next few weeks. I'm sure like as we're still getting our head around what's happening here, you are too. Uh, feel free to tweet us, ask us any questions. We'll share out a bunch of really awesome articles that help break this whole thing down in the show notes. But let's jump into our next piece where we're going to try and unpack the recent drop in Bitcoin's price, Austin, aren't we? Yeah. So uh, on Thursday, the 15th of November, 2018, Bitcoin's price actually hit its lowest point in over a year at $5,451, which means that it lost over 12% of its value on Wednesday, the 14th of November alone. Wow. Yeah, that is a pretty large, and it's actually not just isolated to to Bitcoin, right? Like this is Ethereum is down, as we were mentioned at the start. Like, uh, I mean, I'm looking at like XRP is down, EOS is down, Stellar's down. Like, I mean, there's a there's a Litecoin's down. Like, there's a lot of red <laughs> in the market right now. Yes, absolutely. Now there are some interesting theories behind uh, why this could be happening, right, Matt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a really good article that we were reading. I'm just trying to find where that was from. Oh, on Breaker Mag. And what Breaker Mag did was they asked a, a bunch of either respected analysts or people that are like um, highly influential within the, the cryptocurrency and blockchain space, some economists, just to give some of their thoughts. And one of the threads that's been coming up, if any of you are involved in the tech uh, sector, which both myself and Austin, we are, you'll, you'll know there has been quite a large sell-off in tech stocks at the moment, and that's kind of caused a bit of a slump. I'm kind of wondering, is there is there a knock-on effect? It kind of feels like crypto would, would fit within that bucket when you're looking at your portfolio, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, 
that is a fair question to ask is, you know, whether there is a knock on effect from these sort of general tech market slump that's happening. Uh, a couple other theories that this article explored were maybe the manipulation from a few Bitcoin whales, the general anxiety in, in the market as a whole, or perhaps, and this is something that we've covered fairly well over the course of the last year, is all of these sort of unknown behind the scenes regulatory talks and just general political uncertainty around the cryptocurrency space. Yeah. And I, I think even like with stuff like the US midterms, like there's been like a culmination of stuff. There was there was also an interesting comment in that Breaker Mag article. We'll, we'll share out the link to that in the show notes. But it was talking about like maybe some people that have like large investments in the cryptocurrency space have some insider knowledge in regulatory talks that are ongoing that the rest of us mere mortals are not privy to. <laughs> and I think that's kind of slightly reaching. Um, I have a slightly different opinion on this. And I kind of feel like, and just a, a disclaimer, I am by no means, this is not financial advice. I am by no means an expert in this. But one of the things that we have seen, especially over the past 18 months, which is really when like the the forking really started, right? And whenever there's been a major hard fork and people are looking to cash in on the uh, on the airdrops that come, typically we've seen a rise in the coin's price that's about to fork. We saw that with Bitcoin around the time of the uh, the August 2017 fork, and we've saw uh, we've seen it in a number of forks since. We actually even saw it with what a lot of people were uh, saying was a really a scam coin in Litecoin cash. But even around that time, people were buying up on Litecoin because just so that they could benefit from the fork happening. At the same time, usually we saw some slight dips or at least, especially around the ICO boom, slowed growth in some of the more comparable alternative cryptocurrencies. Now, we've seen the drops right now across Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Stellar, and you can pretty much correlate them negatively against like the uh, the rise in Bitcoin Cash's price across this fork. I think it would be a fair assumption for us to think that people are selling off a bunch of their other cryptocurrency to buy up Bitcoin Cash to just purely take advantage of the fork. Um, it's a risky strategy, but I, th I feel like if that isn't the sole thing at play here, it's definitely a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think that's like one piece in amongst all of this. Uh, the, we'll share out that Breaker Mag article because it goes into uh, asking people what their price predictions are. Some of them are very, very uh, ambitious. Uh, the, I think the general sentiment in amongst a lot of experts is though, while we have had uh, very much a rough year when it comes to price of, of cryptocurrency. Generally speaking, and uh, certainly this is my opinion, that the, the the wider community is still very bullish on, on this technology. And I, I don't want to speculate on what's to come ahead, but if we look at the typical history of, uh, in particular, Bitcoin as a good example, this isn't the first time we've seen drops like this happen, right? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the key would be, you know, for us to see it sort of normalize and level out <laughs> for some time, at least, you know, according to previous market trends, um, before we would see more healthy, sustained uh, stability and growth. And who knows, maybe we're in for an early Christmas present. Maybe, but probably not. <laughs> I think not, yeah. <laughs> all right, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for today. Make sure that you join us next week. Uh, we'll try and give a bit of an update on some of this stuff as we talk through this. We may even try and get someone in where we can uh, have them more eloquently explain the the fallout and the the update in the whole Bitcoin Cash fork slash drama so join us then for another episode of the decrypting crypto podcast thanks for listening if you love this episode and want to show both myself and austin your appreciation we'd love it if you could spend some of your time adding a quick review on the itunes store or your favorite podcasting platform you can also check out and visit us at thecoinoffering.com. Follow us on Twitter at thecoinoffering. And you know what? You want to just shoot us a quick email, chat to us, make suggestions, tell us how terrible we are. Send us an email at podcast at thecoinoffering.com. Thanks, and hope you enjoy the next episode. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.